Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today... We're talking about rocks. Yeah. You know, in the past, we did an episode on trees. Yeah. Which we, we totally a... stole that idea from the Bible Project. Absolutely. But it was just so good we needed to talk about it. But then we kind of did another one on water, and I think that was just our idea. Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe we not. may have stole but that, too. I don't know. I think this one is... I haven't heard anybody talk about rocks. No, no. So we're going to talk about rocks. It turns out they're kind of important, so it's worth worth discussing. That's amazing. But first, we're going to go to our sponsors for a quick word, and we'll be right back. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we are back, and like we said, rocks. Yeah. Not rock and roll. Sometimes rocks do roll. Where do you think the word rock and roll or phrase rock and roll came from? I have no idea. I know it was coined in Cleveland, if I understand right. I'm just impressed that you know that. Which is why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is there. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's why, but. I like that song, Bob Seger, Like a Rock. That's a good song. Yeah. 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 I've got that one on vinyl. So I like to play it. I like, I love Rocky or uh, Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll? I like Rock and Roll. And the Weird Al parody, I love Rocky Road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Enough of that. Rocks. Yeah. 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 Uh, In the Old Testament, I looked up, there are three different words. Well, there are a lot more than that. There's, there's three main words used for rock. One is stone and then two for rock. And I was looking up differences and really there's no difference in any of the words. I think it's kind of like, you know, there's like 10 different words for snow in the Eskimo language Mm. and we got one. Right. If it's white and it falls, it's snow. Right. So we look at something hard and rough and we say that's a rock. But Israel, where rocks are everywhere, it is like one huge, massive rock quarry. They have different words that I assume mean different kinds or types of rocks. So in Hebrew, they do have multiple words for rock. Yes, they do. Okay, I was going to say because right. they only have one word for tree and for bush. Right. For, so that's interesting that they would specify and have a, a, a plethora they got of a terms. Bunch of them. Yeah. 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 That's weird. So there are three main ones. Um, you want me to get into those? Yeah. I mean, why not? Okay. So uh, the most common one is commonly translated stone. 
It occurs 272 times in the Old Testament. It occurs like when Jacob is running away from home and he's going to Laban's house and he stops in a place. And for whatever reason, it says he laid down and he used a stone as a pillow. He put a stone under his head. Then he has this dream, and when he wakes up in the morning, he takes that stone, and he names the stone Bethel, the house of God. Hmm. It's strange. The Bible's just got some weird stuff every once in a while. like, And some of it, I'm sure, is there's like cultural meaning to it, yeah, but yeah. it's so far removed from us today that that's just like, why are you laying on a rock, dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can think of things better to use as a pillow. Oh, uh, yeah. In the book of Exodus, uh, in the book of the law, Exodus 20, verse 25, Moses says that God commands that if they build an altar, they are not to use cut stone. Just it's supposed to be natural. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what that means. That's interesting. Yeah. It, I mean... I'm sure it means something. Well, so I'll I'll be honest. Whenever I've read that before, because I have noticed that, um, it it always kind of seemed to me that maybe cut stone is like man-made in a way, and that yeah, like, it's more natural. Well, that when it's natural, you've just left it as God God made it. Yeah, and that maybe He's saying like, let that be mine. It's almost like the let you know whose face is on the coin. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Caesar's will then yeah. give to Caesar what is Caesar's, you know, right, like right. give to God what's God's, you know. Like, yeah. it, I, you know. I want the altar made out of the rocks that I made, not it, the way you it, made them. Listen, and like <laughs> I get that God made them all, but like that that those are untampered with. Right. Yeah. Maybe maybe that. I don't know. So a while back, we, uh, boy, we have a lot of ideas that we talk about for podcasts and we throw away. One of them was the gemstones. Well, that's literally the stones. That's all they're called. When you say the gemstones, you mean like on the on the priest on the garments? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know that we ever talked about doing that as a podcast so much as I was just enamored and completely mind blown by it because well, it's weird. It is. It is. There's like one list, and every time you get a mention of the children of Israel or the mention of these stones. It's like one or another one is missing. Right. And so you try to figure out, okay, why? What's the meaning behind this? Yeah, There's exactly. almost like, it's almost like a puzzle. But, yeah. the, but the other thing about that, and, and we might as well mention this while we're here, and, and I would like to come back and do a podcast on this if we can ever find any kind of understanding on it, but that the priests of Israel were adorned with 12 stones. Yeah. Right. And each one was specific, and each one represented one of the tribes of Israel. But what's really interesting is in Ezekiel. Is it Ezekiel? I think so, yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's when they're talking, uh, God's talking about the king of Tyre. But then, like, in the middle of it, all of a sudden, it's like he's talking about Satan and not the king of Tyre. Right. And he's talking about, you know, this, you know, you walked among the stones of fire. Yes. And you were the guardian cherub in the Garden of Eden. And it's like, okay, this obviously isn't the king this of Tyre This is no anymore. longer this dude up north. But he said you were adorned with all the most beautiful stones. 
and he names nine of the 12 stones yeah. that the priest of Israel is adorned with. So three of them, three are not missing. so much. <laughs> but why, why those and what do they mean, right? And so the, I think that's super interesting. I want to get yeah. to the bottom of that. But but there's another in, instance is like stones hold like beauty. Yeah. And like there's, yeah. there's a... There's an importance to wearing them. And there's a symbolic meaning there, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention, and, and you know, we go on and on with this, but the last thing that I wanted to mention was uh, the fact that the Ten Commandments are put on two stones. Yeah. And it calls them stones. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. good call. Yeah. Good call. I'm, hold on. We're... Right, come down. back to that. Yeah, because that may be important. Um, but so before we move on, can I just kind of name? I, I listed out everything rocks represent to people. Okay, cool. And maybe we can look for these as we okay. talk through this. Yeah, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Where things fit. Um, I, I did a quick Google search just to kind of see like where other people's heads were at when they thought of rocks, and it seems like these are the the ones I've run into, and some of these are more like what we kind of think of them as today and others are what we've kind of always regarded them as. Mm -hmm. Um, but wisdom is one, um, that there's, that they're ancient, that they are, that they've been around forever. Uh, one of the examples given was like, if, if stones could talk about all they've seen, you know, like it it would be cool. Numerous. So there are cultures that kind of regard rocks for as as a symbol of wisdom because they're so ancient. Um, So ancient is another thing. Um, Strength or density. Yeah. uh, Stability. um, Patience. The stability, definitely. Yeah. You you see that all through scripture. Yeah. uh, Patience being that they are immovable. Um, Time, once again, kind of coming back to that that ancient concept. Beauty, we talked about the priestly garments uh, and how they were adorned with the yeah. stones. And uh, you've got the, their impenetrable nature. Um, that they can be an obstacle. They can be something that's hard to get around or a difficulty um, if they're in your way. Um, that biblically they could represent life and death. I was thinking about the tomb of Jesus, that the stone, the stone is both a symbol of death and life, um, that while it's closed, he's dead. But when that stone's rolled away, it's life. Um, and then I was thinking about present day and healing crystals and how that's such a big deal right now. <laughs> You're right. And I was like, wonder how long that's been around. So I did a quick little Google search and then there were there were people saying like as far back as like 30,000 40,000 years and I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm yeah. jumping on board with that. But I did see uh that the ancient Sumerians were using crystals for healing properties as long as 4500 BC. Oh. So this has been around is. forever, which means people view crystals for a healing property as well in some cultures. And then like you just mentioned, the law. That biblically the stone yeah. is a is a picture of the law. Yeah, 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 that's amazing. So a second word that occurs in Hugh, uh, in in Hebrew, the word sur occurs 74 times. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, 
guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com. And uh, that's the word that occurs. Israel leaves Egypt, and all of a sudden Moses has to feed and give water to this massive amount of people. Well, the first time they find water, but it's bitter, so he throws some wood in it, and it turns sweet. Second time, there's nothing around. So God says, speak to the rock, but for the or, or hit the rock. But for the first time here, I looked at this and realized that it's not, it's not just go out and hit the rock. Exodus 17, 6. Well, starting in 5. Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. That's God. God says, I will be standing by the rock, strike the rock, and water will come out. So uh, later, like years later, same situation, different area in the wilderness of sin. Uh, The people cry out for water again. God says to Moses, go speak to the rock. And he goes out and he hits it. And that's why God says, okay, you can't go to uh, uh, to Palestine now. You can't go to the promised land. Because I said, speak to it. I'll come back to that in a little bit. But in we've talked a little bit about intertestamental literature. And in that, in the intertestamental literature, what uh, we find is that there was a legend that that very rock that shot water out of it followed Israel around through the desert. Well, pause. It's not just in intertestamental literature that we learn that. It's First Corinthians. Testament. Yeah, First Corinthians ten one through thirteen. Do you have that pulled up there? I did, and now I'm trying to find it. It's First Corinthians ten four, ten four. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Yeah. Now, that's a weird translation, but it was the first one I saw. So. Yeah, that's NIV. <laughs> that's, that's what I got here. Okay. So, Paul knew about that legend. Yeah. And, and sorry, this may or may not have any kind of bearing on, on that context, but I was thinking about this, that you have the angel of the Lord at the front of Israel leading them. Yeah. And you have the pillar of smoke at the back. And we've talked about is, you know, is that possibly two people of the Trinity? Is that the father? Right. And, and Jesus as, as the angel of the Lord at the front. So one at the front, one at the back leading them. But before they go through the Nile, it says that the angel of the Lord goes from the front to the back of them with the pillar. 
And that's when everything happens at the Nile with okay. Egypt. Okay. But I don't know after that that it ever says that he goes back in front. And I'm kind of curious to dig deep. Yeah. But my point is, if if it's going literal positions at that point, if the rock is Christ and the rock is the angel of the Lord, he leaves the front of the pack and goes behind them. And this rock is following them the rest of the way through the <laughs> just desert. Just like Paul says. Just like Paul yeah. says. And so I'm kind of curious to see if there's more to that or if I'm just looking a little too deep into something that maybe doesn't actually mean that. But it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So um, next time we see this word, uh, Moses is saying to God, I want to see you face to face. God says, oh, you can't do that. You see me face to face and you'll die. And Moses says, but I want to see you. And so it literally says, this is Deut uh, Exodus chapter 33, verses 21 and 22. Um, there's a place near me where you can stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft in the rock. I'll cover you with my hand until I pass by. And then I'll remove my hand and you can see my back, but you won't be able to see my face. Now, I just thought it was interesting that rock and God's physical presence comes together quite a bit. Yeah. There's, there's something there. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's on a giant rock. I mean, God rests on Mount Sinai. Right. Which is right. a giant rock. It's massive. Yeah. Um, the third word, Selah, or Salah, only occurs 53 times. Uh, this is the word. It's actually a different word. Uh, in Numbers chapter 20, when the is, uh, people of Israel ask for water the second time, and the Lord said, go out and speak to the rock. He said, go out and speak to the Selah, not the Tzur, the first kind of rock, but a different kind of rock. And uh, Moses goes out, and he strikes the rock instead, and then God says, okay, you know, you've disobeyed. I always thought that was kind of nitpicky. But I actually, here, here's what I think might be happening there. I'm not sure that when God said to Moses the second time, go out and speak to the rock, that he was talking about a physical rock. I think he was saying, Moses, I am the rock of Israel. Go out in front of the people and speak to me and I will give them water. Well, Moses goes out and he does kind of the tried and true. He hit a rock before and the rock gave him water. So he goes out and he hits a rock again and the rock gives him water. Um, the Lord says, okay, you didn't do what I ask. It wasn't that he said, speak to this rock. And Moses went out and he hit the rock. I really wonder if God was saying, you go out and you let Israel know what is really happening, it, where this comes from. He approached the wrong rock. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Now, it's after that. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 32 at the very end of Moses' life. Moses, he's been up on the mountain. He's seen Palestine. God said, you're not going over there. You can look at it, but you can't cross the river. Moses in Deuteronomy 32 has this long song. 
in which he sings to Israel. And basically, he's telling them, make sure that you obey everything that God says. Don't twist it. Don't think you know what you're supposed to do and then do something else. Kind of like what he did. Eight times in that chapter, he calls God the rock. Verse um, four, he is the rock. His works are perfect. Verse 13, um, uh, he nourished him with honey from the rock. Verse 15, he says uh, he abandoned the God who made him and rejected the rock, his savior. Verse 18, you deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Verse 30, 31, and then 37. Same idea. In the book of Psalms, it's repeated. Psalm 18, 2, God is the rock of Israel. Psalm 31, 3, and on and on and on. It's after this time that the Lord is called the rock. It's like Moses figured it out and said, okay, I I got it now. I, Mm. I understand what you're saying. That's interesting. Yeah. That's super interesting. And like with just the, like when you just gave the first part of that, where you were talking about that oh, he did the tried and true method rather than understanding that it's God. I was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe. But the fact that he puts that much emphasis then on it really does going to God as the rock over and over and over again in the song. And then in Psalms, like, that yeah. contextually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Wow. Okay. So you look at the way rocks are used in the Old Testament. You have, I think, three significant uses. Of course, all of Israel, uh, all buildings, they were stone buildings. So it's building material. But then you get boundary stones. You know, don't move the rocks. The rocks tell us what the true path is. The rocks tell us what the frontiers are, what the boundaries are. Uh, Up to this rock is yours. Beyond that rock, it belongs to somebody else. So when you're a person living in the desert, I've been trying to wrap, sorry, I'm sorry if I'm taking us off uh, the the, the path here. But like with with trees, we kind of dove into what did a tree mean to the ancient Israelite? And you're talking about, well, stones made up this and they made up this and they made up this. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, everything was rocks. Everything. Everything was rocks. And so for God to say, I am the rock. Well, it's everything. Yeah. I'm everything. I'm, I am the, I'm what you build your houses out of. I'm the ground beneath your feet. I am, I'm what you roll in front of your graves. I'm what you use to keep people out. I'm what you, you know, like I can be a weapon or I can be a defense as a wall, you know, like. (laughs) They used to uh, tell a, uh, this is old. Uh, They used to tell a, a legend that when God created the world, this is a Jewish legend. When God created the world, he had his angels help him. He gave one angel all the flower. And that angel went all around the world. He planted flowers everywhere. Gave another one all the trees. And that angel went all over, all over the world. And he planted trees everywhere. 
and on and on. And finally, he gave one angel the rocks. And that angel was, frankly, a little bit lazy. So he threw some rocks around. Then he got to Israel and said, ah, fooey with this and dropped the rest of them there. <laughs> and that's really what Israel is like. It's like there are rocks everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's a desert. That's <laughs> I mean, what it is. It's ground and rock and dirt. So a second use of rocks is to build altars. And like Exodus said, you know, they they didn't want altars that were fabricated by man. They wanted natural altars. And you go through the Old Testament, and there were a bunch of them. They built altars, well, every time they were going to sacrifice an animal to, to thank the Lord, uh, you know, they'd grab uh, Joshua crossed the River Jordan. Right. He says the 12 tribes of Israel, pick a man from each tribe, go back in the middle of the river. Everybody heft a stone on your shoulder and bring it up here to the side. And there uh, Joshua built not an altar, but a memorial, a third use. Uh, rocks and specific constructions of rocks were used to remind Israel where they came from, what what God had done for them. Hmm. So, yeah, that's what I came up with uh, looking at the Old Testament. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, you want to talk about New, uh, New Testament a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as far as, like, major rock themes in the New Testament, um, there were a few that, that came to mind. I, I thought of uh, Jesus as the cornerstone. Mm -hmm. Right. That that he is the, the cornerstone, uh, which I mean, a, a cornerstone, correct me if I'm wrong, but a cornerstone is like the stone that that marks the foundation of a building. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You lay the cornerstone and then you line everything up. with Right. It. Every it's kind of like the measure by mm -hmm. which you're going to build. Um, so there's that. Um, I also thought of uh, that. He's a stumbling block. To yeah. the is it to the Pharisees that that's said? Oh, I don't think it's just the Pharisees. I think it's it's uh, to many he's a stumbling block or right. something like that. right. I mean, to 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 his adversaries, he would be a stumbling block, right? And I mean, the fact that it's sort of like the concept of light in darkness that it shows you uh, the truth of things. Well, if you think that you're just walking a clear path. All of a sudden, <laughs> you go tripping over Jesus because he's there to 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 make sure you see things as they really are. I am right. this rock. I am in your way. You have to get around me somehow. Right, right, um, right. Then I thought of Golgotha, that oh, it's wow. this man-made yeah. heap of rubble, of rocks. Yeah. And then that's where Jesus goes and dies. Right. And then he's buried in a tomb. Right. And they roll a rock in front of it. And then that rock being rolled away was the signifier that Jesus was alive. Yeah. And so, I mean, all throughout the New Testament, you see these scattered little pictures of rocks or these symbols of rocks. So I was reading before we came in here and stumbled across something that made a whole lot of sense. Um, we call Jesus a carpenter. He's a carpenter. He the works reason. with rocks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah. 
the reason we call him a carpenter is because the actual Greek word that's used there is tekton, a builder. He is a builder. And when they were translating that into contemporary languages, all of the houses were made of wood. So they said, oh, he's a carpenter. He would have been a stonemason. He's a stonemason. In fact, Nazareth is about a mile away from this massive rock quarry. So Joseph, his father, who taught Jesus the trade, would have been going to the quarry probably every day and chipping away at rocks and preparing them for all of Herod's massive building projects, which were all made of stones. Now, did he work with wood? Probably he did. But, oh, my goodness, his main work was with rock. Dude, I just thought of another one, and this is Old Testament. But David, fighting Goliath, <laughs> he kills the giant with three, with three small stones. With, with five, He picked up five, five small stones, and he uses one. That's what it was. Yep. yep, five and one. Um, but it's stones, stones. Yeah. But yeah, dude, it's everywhere. You can't yeah. get and like this is kind of more the the meta take the the six thousand, sixty thousand foot view, whatever you right, want to call right. it. But like there are a few metaphors biblically that just get drove home right. all day long. Water, rocks, agricultural themes. Right. Yes. Uh Trees, sheep. sheep, herding. And I mean, a lot of it has to do with just what those people knew and what they were living with. But all those themes were all encompassing to their life. Right. And rocks are just another one. Now, you mentioned a verse. It's Luke twenty seventeen and 18. Um, Jesus looked at them and he said, What's the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls in that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. That is picked up in Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. There, uh, I think it's Peter has a sermon And Peter quotes that verse, too. The verse comes from Psalm 118, verse 22. But there, it's talking about this stone that the stonemason rejected. There is Jesus, a stonemason, who made a living of accepting the good stones and throwing away the bad ones. And he looks at the people who are rejecting him and saying, Are you sure you want to reject this? Because you fall on it, it's going to hurt. It falls on you, you're going to die. <laughs> Which is really interesting because I feel like that's a callback to Psalm 2. Uh, that's yes. what it brought to my mind was, uh, da, 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 da. I, will, uh, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Wow. The one that falls on the stumbling block. Yep, yep, yep. That's interesting, man. Wow. So there's got to be some meaning there. Now, we jumped over. We talked specifically about one particular instance that we did want to come back and look at. 
Oh, well, I mean, it's kind of huge. Yeah. Matthew 16, is that what you're getting at? Matthew 16, absolutely. Dude, this is like the most contested thing in all of Christendom. (laughs) 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 Like, Christianity, like, has been arguing about this verse for a good long while. And the verse is after Peter says, uh, you are the Christ, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You got to you got to go back about three or four words, though, to really get the full thing, because he says more than that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and that's part of why this is a controversial verse. Jesus starts by saying, who do people say the son of man is? And they answer, and they all say their answers have one thing in common. And that is, uh, you're the one who comes to present the Messiah. You're Mm -hmm. John the Baptist or you're Elijah or you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus says, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind, uh, uh, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Right. Um, And I think the reason that verse is so controversial is because he says, you are Peter. Right. Which means pebble. Right. right? Uh, Petros. Petros Petros in Greek. It's just rocks. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like Jesus' nickname for it. But then he says... And upon this rock, yeah. I will build my church. So what's he talking about? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, to the Catholic listener, you would probably be sitting there going, well, it's the Pope. That that Peter. It's it, Peter the it, first it, it Pope. It is Peter. Peter the first Pope. That you are the rock upon which I will build my church. Um, there are some Protestants that believe that, too. There are some Protestants that believe that, too. And to all of those, I would say... I disagree incredibly, um, and I think the early church fathers disagree as well. Yeah. Um, the issue is, though, that I think we have to. I, I like this is a really important verse, and like I know it's a controversial one, but we we kind of have to hash it out. <clears throat> um, I've got I've got Vatican one pulled up here, okay. <laughs> and. Uh, And so to any Protestants listening to this right now, you may not know any of this, and it's important that you do hear this. Um, And to any Catholics listening to this, you may not know this either, but you should, um, because it is Vatican I. Uh, Vatican I is the chapter on the institution of the apostolic primacy in Blessed Peter. And sorry, we got to go a little bit like going to school here for a minute, because the language is going to be a little tough. We'll be all right. Uh, It says this. It says, we teach and declare... That according to the gospel evidence, a primacy of jurisdiction over the whole church of God was immediately and directly promised to the blessed apostle Peter and conferred on him by Christ the Lord. It was to Simon alone, to whom he had already said, you shall be called Cephas, that the Lord, after his confession, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, spoke these words. 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the underworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And it was to Peter alone that Jesus, after his resurrection, confided with uh, confided the jurisdiction of supreme pastor, the ruler of his whole fold, saying, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. To this absolutely manifest teaching of the sacred scriptures, as it has always been understood by the Catholic Church, meaning the entire Church, are clearly opposed the distorted opinions of those who misrepresent the form of government which Christ the Lord established in his church and deny that Peter, in preference to the rest of the apostles, taken singly or collectively, was endowed by Christ with a true and proper primacy of jurisdiction. The same may be said of those who assert that the primacy was not conferred immediately and directly on blessed Peter himself, but rather on the church and that it was through the church that it was transmitted to him in his capacity as her minister. Therefore, if anyone says that Blessed Peter, the apostle, was not appointed by Christ the Lord as prince of all the apostles and visible head of the whole church militant, or that it was a primacy of honor only and not one of true and proper jurisdiction that he directly and immediately received from our Lord Jesus Christ himself, let that person be anathema or accursed to hell. Wow. Okay. That is the Roman Catholic stance wow. on that debate. Now, that's Vatican I. That's Vatican I. When Things was that, Vatican I? Ooh, 1870. Is okay. that right? Okay. I had it written down. So this is 1850 years after, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. after it happened. Yeah. So uh, Vatican I would have been, yeah, 1869. Okay. I think it was officially, it wow. began on 1864 and... Doesn't say when it ended. Yeah. So this is Civil War time. Right. And so that was the stance. So let me just make it clear what the Catholic Church is saying in that. Now understand this is a council. This is like this oh, is yeah. to be recognized as deal. truth. Yeah. You have to believe this, right? Right. If you're a Catholic. They're making the claim that this has always been the way the church has believed. Right. That we have there's never been disagreement among this this has been the truth right that all of the catholic church has believed this and that's when we what say it clearly says and understand catholic means universal right okay so when we say catholic i mean that's every christian that's the whole shebang that's, that's the whole every... deal. so with that said that means that every church father would have believed that for the whole of history that seems to be what whatever that pope's name was is saying so we won't even get into the Bible. We'll just get into Christian okay. history first. But my my, my deal is um, there's this guy. He's Archbishop Peter Richard Kenrick. Okay. And he puts together this study of the church fathers to determine what their stance was on this. Okay. And he prepared this document that it would be delivered for Vatican I. It wasn't delivered for Vatican I, but it was published later. Okay. okay. So here's so what he's he, a Catholic. He is a Catholic. He, okay. he was an archbishop. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Peter Richard Kenrick. Um, so he finds that uh, there are a few stances here. And one of them is that all Christians were the living stones. That's one way of looking at it. So the rock is 
all, all Christians. Christians. Very few church fathers held to that. He didn't okay. even put a number to it. He just That's said it. very few. Very few. Then you have eight of them, which means very few has got to be like one or two. Right. Because he's got eight, and he he mentions that. Okay? okay. Eight church fathers believed that the rock of Matthew 16 is all the apostles. All 12. Yes. Okay. Okay. He writes that 16 of the church fathers that he, that he, and understand he doesn't go through every single church father. I think he goes through like 70 some of them. Okay. But it's 70 something of them. Right. That's quite yeah, a few. Yeah. yeah. Um, 16 of them held that Christ was the rock. Christ himself. Christ himself. Okay. So he's saying on, on, on this me, rock. On this on rock. On me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because in the Greek, it's, uh, what is it? It's Petra. Or Petros. Right. But then the second rock is not the same word. Oh, really? And so that's an issue in Greek. Would it not be? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we, we should look into that, actually. Um, but then uh, 17 church fathers believed uh, Peter was the rock. So 17. 17. 17 of them believed that Peter was the rock. Okay. We're well under half. <laughs> and 44 of them believed that Peter's confession was the rock. You are the Christ, that, the son of the living that, God. That Peter looking at Jesus and saying, this you are the Christ, the statement that it was the confession of Peter that was the rock upon which 44 early church fathers. In fact, Augustine, who had in his early writings believed that it was Christ, changed it in his later writings to that he believed okay. that it was Peter's confession. In fact, of those 44 church fathers, it's the most important church fathers. It's Basil of uh, Seleucia. It's Cyril of Alexandria. It's Chrysostom. It's Ambrose, Hillary, Jerome, oh, wow. and Augustine. Yeah. These are the big dogs. These are like... Yeah. These are the guys oh, yeah, you yeah, want yeah, on your yeah. side. And they all say it's Peter's confession. Here's the point. The church, the Catholic church states that this has been believed for all of time, that this has been the stance of the church. And if you disagree, go to hell. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Okay. You're going to hell if you disagree. And what this shows is, about 20% of the church fathers hold their stance. The other 80% believed a, a lot of other view. things. Right. And the majority view. And the majority of them believed that it was the confession of faith. So here's the deal. Does this like slam dunk destroy the Catholic church? No. But what it does say is they can be wrong because they are about this <laughs> 100%. And so the problem is their entire structure, the papacy, is built on this concept that Peter is the rock. Yeah. And if he's not the rock, it all crumbles down. Yeah. And that needs thought about. That's all I'm saying, y'all. Like, I, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I'm not trying to pick on the Catholics. I mean, I am picking on the Catholics. Like, I can't help it. I disagree wholeheartedly. Um, but this is big. This is really big. Yeah. Yeah, because here's the deal. Here's what I get out of this, right? If we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says this. It says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus is the foundation. At the end of the day, Jesus is the foundation and anything else 
that the church is being built upon is being added to the foundation that already is Jesus Christ. What I get out of that is if those 44, if those 44 beliefs of the church fathers, that it's the confession of Jesus or sorry, the confession of Peter, that was the rock. Then that means our confession is the rock too. Yeah. That the church is built upon our confession, our evangelism built on Jesus, the, 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 the gospel, the evangelism, that when we go and share the word of God with other people, we are building the foundation of the church. We are growing the church in that. And that's a boundary stone. That's a memorial. That's an altar. Yeah, that's an altar. Yeah, that's great. I didn't even think of that, that that the foundation becomes an altar before God, that the church is the altar before God. That, wow, yeah, that's cool. So the point is we can participate in this. We have been asked to participate. When when Jesus gives his his final command to us that, that we need to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the yeah. name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all of his commandments, that's us being told, go build the foundation. Go build upon this foundation I've laid. That's cool. Yeah. I've got another angle. Yeah. I'm good with it. So in First Peter... Chapter two, uh, Peter says, starting in verse four, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes back, he says, in Scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And then it goes on and it quotes Psalm 118 again. Now, to you who believe the stone is precious, to those who don't believe, the stone the builder rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. So, Jesus is the stone. We are built on the stone, and we are living stones. And we are to spread the message to make more stones. Again, it's focusing back on the declaration of Peter. Jesus made us fishers of men and he made us carpenters. (laughs) These stonemasons. He made us stonemasons. There's there's this song called Torches Together by a band called Me Without You. And they're like a spoken word, screamy, alternative rock band. But they're like, they've got some christian imagery but they always had this one these these lyrics that i loved he said it uh the whole idea is why why burn poor and lonely he keeps coming back to that as a torch because one torch doesn't put off much light but a bunch of torches makes a huge light and so he says why burn poor and lonely tell all the stones we're gonna make a building will be cut into shape and set into place and if you'd rather be a window i'll gladly be the frame reflecting any kind words will let in all the blame and ruin our reputation all the same and i love that <laughs> that it's like we're all different pieces in this foundation yeah. of this building like this building is being built on it's made of people it's made of us we right. are the church right right and i think that's what's being said in matthew 16 i think 
I think it's kind of everything we're saying here. Like there's not just maybe one answer even to this, right? Maybe it's a lot of things. And and something you see with these church fathers we were talking about, a lot of them held multiple positions okay. that they would say like, oh yeah, I think it's this, but also like, yeah, I think it's Could the rock. I think yeah. it's the literal rock that they're standing on, that that is the gate of hell because Caesarea Philippi was the gate of hell. And that's the literal rock right, where he's delivering right. that was speech. Is that a Heiser thing that we saw? Or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. That yeah. comes up there as well. Okay. But, but my point is like, some of this is like a little bit of, well, it's this and it's that, and it's this and it's that. And, yeah. and it seems to be with this whole theme of rocks is it's just there's so many meanings for a rock, just like there's so many meanings for a tree and there's so many meanings for water. <laughs> but God is saying, I'm all of that. Yeah. And I'm calling you to be a part of this too. That's cool. I that is it. really neat. What's the next weird image we can think of? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. Are we going to have to do sheep or something? Oh, like we that. should do sheep, dude. Sheep are actually kind of fun to talk sheep about. Sheep and shepherds. Yeah, that'll be a good one. We'll do that sometime down the road. Guys, I <laughs> hope you enjoyed this. Randy, do you have anything else before we close No, this I don't. Out? I don't. That that first Peter 2, that, that was kind of the end of it for me. I, I thought, oh, man, that is nice. I dig it. It's all good, man. Uh Thank you guys for listening. Uh, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a rating, comment, whatever, uh, on whatever you're listening to that helps us out a lot. Um, check out Life Audio. Thank you to them for partnering with us. Uh, they've got tons of podcasts over on their platform, and uh, we are located there as well. So go check them out. And until next time, stay salty. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.